0: welcome to kubrick voices we're incredibly lucky to be joined by two kubrick voices who are part of our mental well-being initiative so we have vicky bark who's an associate success manager here at kubrick and john who's our principal consultant in data analytics welcome to kubrick voices guys thank you good morning good morning so to kick off you're both trained mental health first aiders here at kubrick tell us a bit about that role how you got certified and and what you're kind of bringing to kubrick in that in that capacity
1: sure so i think when the pandemic started we saw a huge increase in people struggling with their mental health across the business ranging from people kind of in in hq people in management to kind of consultants in training just going on site i think it was quite it's a huge cultural shift going from office working to kind of completely remote. And I think those who had a bit of a taste of working in the office, training in the office, to then going remote, found it quite hard because they knew what they could get and the experiences they could benefit from if they were in person in the office. And then those that started remote found it quite hard to onboard, settle in and kind of get used to the general dynamics. So. I think being in the people team and kind of sitting as an associate success manager, the daily contact with the consultants, there was just a real notable increase. And other than trying to sympathize and empathize, I felt like it was really important to ensure that we had formal training within Kubrick to make sure that we were managing those conversations and having them in the best way possible and ensuring we were giving people the best advice possible as well. So contacted Mental Health First Aid England, um, had a training experience there with a lovely lady called Amanda Townsend um, with multiple different people from every and any type of company and background. So it was really engaging. It was really hard. I think it was far more self-reflective than I was expecting or anticipating it to be, Um, but has definitely given me the tools to help talk to people and manage people who are struggling in multiple different aspects and severities as well.
0: Incredible. Amazing. And uh, yeah, Vicky, you are our first kind of trained one and, and John, you joined the programme as well. Um, it, yeah, from your perspective, why is it so important that we're talking about mental well-being in the workplace, especially?
2: Yeah, when Vicky asked me to get involved in this, um, I suppose what we're looking for is a vast array of people across the business that people have access to. Um, so a lot of my role is very early on in the consultant's journey when they're with Kubrick. So in training, where it's everything is new, new city, new training environment, um, kind of new people that they are meeting. Um, and a lot of my work is really, I suppose, putting high pressure on people to learn new content and to take on new skills. Um, and what we want to know is that what they want to know is that they've got people to support them both kind of mental well-being wise as well as technically um so having a a kind of vast array of people across the business that they can choose to reach out to at every stage of their journey is really important um which is why kind of i wanted to get involved
0: yeah amazing and just from your experience kind of i know you have a lot of knowledge about the sort of wider uk or even worldwide perspective on um on mental health and the state of it right now and you've got some facts to share but also wondering how that kind of relates to your experience in the sort of microcosm that is Kubrick how much is what's going on here kind of lining up with what's going out in the wider world
2: yes yeah, it's, it's interesting because we actually doing the first aid course we get exposed to kind of lots of information about kind of high level stats and um it's well, it's relatively new in terms of the sources of information for this. We haven't really been collecting lots of data since the um, so around the early 2000s, the first kind of sources of data for this were coming out. Um, but in kind of general and high level, it's really one in four people in their lifetime will have a kind of period of poor mental health. Um, but one in seven people will experience mental health in the workplace, um, which is kind of, very high if you think about the, glo- the the workforce. It could be four kind of over four million people in work currently in the UK will have some period of extended mental health problems. Um so the kind of reliance on us to support the people within our workplace is really high.
0: Yeah, completely. Yeah, and and Vicky, you mentioned kind of your experience beginning in the pandemic was sort of across the board. So it's people that have been here a long time, but also conscious that a lot of, you know, The vast majority of our staff are junior professionals, whether that's two years work experience or no years work experience. Kind of how do you see Kubrick's program taking on these typically younger people into the workforce, although we take people from all kinds of backgrounds? What's kind of Kubrick's responsibility towards our consultants when it comes to to mental well-being?
1: I think it's giving them the tools and the empowerment to feel comfortable talking about it in a professional setting because I think people who are typically struggling with their mental health is going to be in and outside of work. Like anything that's going on outside of work is going to have an impact on you in a professional capacity as well. It's just human nature. So I think it's just giving, trying to ensure that our consultants are educated enough and, have, and know who they can go to and where they can go to for support should they need it. I'm reiterating and encouraging them to communicate in as much of as little detail as they feel comfortable doing. To ensure that we're supporting them as best, they can, as best we can throughout their training, their placement process. Whilst they're on client site and even once they're kind of alumni, or if and when they go perm or once they move out of Kubrick. So I think for me, that's the biggest part of it. It's breaking down the taboo. It's people always just instantly assume as soon as you start talking about mental health, it's instantly got negative connotations or is instantly seen as something that's very severe and very serious. And it is something that should always be discussed and should always be on the table whether you're struggling with it, whether you've had a really good day, whether you're actually in really good mental health as well. I think it's trying to ensure that people know and are comfortable with that distinction. That, for me, is the biggest thing, I think.
2: Definitely on that, and it's getting our consultants aware that there's a big distinction between mental health and mental well-being to mental illness. We all have aspects of mental health, and we all have to look after our mental well-being. We don't all have a... A kind of diagnose mental illness. So, um, and as human beings, we're naturally moving around all the time. Our kind of our mental state and our mental well-being isn't on a steady keel. Um, we're constantly moving from overall good to overall bad and everywhere in between. Um, and that can be influence. I, kind of, I suppose not influenced, but it can be uh, impacted by lots of different things. Um, so if we can spot some of those triggers, and we can, we know that our consultants know that conversation is a very open one within our business, then that will help people in the long run whilst they're with Kubrick.
0: And John, kind of speaking in your professional remit as our, you know, champion of data analytics at at Kubrick, um, you know, mental well-being can be a very emotive or kind of, you know, um, issue which feels like it's not quantifiable feelings, but there's actually obviously quite a big scientific Proportion to 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 how mental well-being can be monitored, the data collected around it, and and also kind of our understanding from sort of the last fifty years about how the change of the world, including the kind of technology era that we're in now, is affecting our mental well-being and our mental state. Um, What kind of what kind of findings have you been reading about, and and how has that kind of informed your role as a mental health first aider?
2: Yeah, it's really interesting actually, because we as human beings are not developing that quickly. Um, With technology and the way the world is, is way, uh, or kind of vastly outgrowing human development. Um, So there's no wonder that that puts strain on our mental health. The amount of data we've got now, technology, social media, the way the working world is developing over the last 50 years is is really different. Um, And we are not keeping up with that. We're looking for coping strategies and ways we can adapt to it, but our natural development isn't kind of keeping up with that at all. If you compare our generations to our parents' generations, we are often doing multiple jobs, three, four jobs in our first five years of work, whereas our parents' generation wouldn't do that. So we're putting continual stress on from environment and pressures on ourselves. Um, And equally, lots of the research is actually showing two very clear peaks of those periods of poor mental health in the workplace. And it's in your 20s when you're kind of starting out in work. And then in your 40s, when you're often experiencing I suppose, the boom of your your management career, um, and obviously as an organization that coincides with our two main demographics of our consultants and our leadership team. So our awareness as a company has to be really important on that. Um, and equally, we've got our other podcast, Diversifying Data, um, where we talk about having a diverse workforce and why that's important. Um, often people from different demographic backgrounds are actually more prone um, to poor periods uh, poor periods of, of mental health. So involving mental health as a conversation in that, I think is really important. Um, And we just need to have that awareness that we can, that we can kind of chip into.
0: Yeah, definitely. I know kind of as a business and employer right now, we're broadening our understanding of what diversity and inclusion actually is beyond, beyond gender, beyond ethnicity, religious beliefs to neurodivergence and and other kind of critical parts of, of diversity, which make a business stronger, but also have different needs and requirements to 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 succeed. So I'm glad kind of our mental well-being initiative there can really help support those those other groups who might have social isolation or, or other challenges that they're facing. But kind of in this technology era where we can all be super connected, it's how to use that. And it's so interesting, John, that you mention data when it comes to mental well-being and that, you know, it's still a relatively new field that we're capturing data. But obviously, data is also your bread and butter. So, kind of, how are you bringing your perspective on on data and uh, kind of the knowledge, the insights we can get from that to mental well being and, and kind of what you're researching and learning about?
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting. Is the kind of I suppose the big report that's come out around mental health is around absences, um, and where Vicky was talking about that kind of taboo subject around those absences. Thirteen percent of those of absences in the workplace are kind of attributed to mental health conditions. But lots of companies are now increasingly looking at mental health well-being days as well as sick absence. So we've got to think that kind of lost cost of revenue. I don't want to think about it clinically, um, but you think it's going to cost it's approximately about eight billion in the in the UK at the moment from lost uh, productivity, uh, absenteeism, etc. Um, but we've got to think of some of that time. As actually gaining productivity, because if you're taking time out to look after your mental well-being, then that actually increases your productivity and your kind of, I suppose, association with the company um, and longevity with the company um, by by taking that time out where you need it. Um, so, yeah, there's kind of lots of data collection on this, um, but thinking about it in the right way, I suppose, is the message that we want to pass across.
0: Yeah, hopefully. The work we're doing here not only inspires other organizations to be a bit more inclusive about mental well-being, but kind of prove to business leaders that it's a good commercial decision too, is is a compelling one for sure. Definitely.
2: It's growing uh, the kind of the absenteeism and almost it's also kind of this aspect of presenteeism as well, where you may be present on a given day, but because of your mental health being poor or you're having. A bad day of mental health actually your productivity is low or your engagement is low so it's not just those days you're losing it's actually the days you're there as well and that's growing year on year about five six percent so it's an ever-increasing thing we need to be aware of
1: i would say that in kind of when talking to kind of line managers even just generally not necessarily in regards to one issue or situation in particular but just generally it is nearly always something that's on their radar and I think them whenever they hear that we do have an initiative we have different things our staff can utilize throughout their duration the duration of their time at Kubrick like the pipe box um GP service like the pipe box counseling service as well it's always something that they welcome and are really really supportive of and if and whenever there are any issues or concerns all they want to know is how they can better support the individual um whether that's exactly as john said you need maybe a little bit of time off if you need to prioritize yourself slightly different ways of working different priorities different working relationships need to be prioritized whatever it might be they are nearly always incredibly invested in however and wherever they can help in individual circumstances
0: yeah it's incredible that like we're including this as part of our offering to clients and organizations and hopefully. It can help them feel even more confident in taking on our consultants, um, knowing that they're going to be able to perform really well, but also be really happy at their placement, and hopefully go on to join the organisation as well if they've had a really good experience. You know, John, you mentioned that distinction between well-being and illness, and and how all of it kind of constant ebbs and flows, and and different ways of taking care of that. So, in addition to kind of reaching out for that confidential support of a mental first mental health first aider if you're going through something quite significant or challenging, there's also that kind of day-to-day aspect of taking care of your mental well-being, which might not require professional or qualified support. So uh, from your guys' experience and some of the tips and, and tricks you're sharing with with our consultants and around the business, um, what are the sort of best ways of, of handling that day-to-day? What can people be doing and, and what's kind of manageable
1: and um, kind of sustainable actions mm. that people can take? I think... I found that one of the nicest things is particularly working like this, working remotely. I mean, we definitely, I definitely went through a phase where in every meeting, in every conversation, it was just about the deliverable. What do you need support with? Where are you at? What do you need? Are you there yet? How far away are we? There was very little, it felt like there was very little time or focus on any type of soft conversation or... What's going on with you? How are you doing? How's the weekend? Like, this is a really tough time. How are you? Um, anything going on? Anything you want to talk about? What's at the cinema? Like, any type of, light relief. It just seemed to... It just wasn't a focus for a while because it was a complete, it was a complete shift in ways of working, which is understandable. But I think I've found ensuring that there is always you have to make time for that soft conversation in every session, regardless of who is in the session. Um, And yes, of course, it will always come back to whatever the point of the meeting was, the point of the conversation was. But it just gives people a chance. You almost instantly see people relax a little bit when you just ask a little bit about themselves, what's going on repair after after the operation the had the weekend, whatever it might be. And it also just helps with that rapport with individual people as well.
2: Yeah, I And I think, yeah. I completely agree with Vicky on this one is we've found a big shift in terms of our training, right? We used to do 15 weeks training in person where not only the consultants could build up a rapport with themselves, but also with us as, as trainers. Um, and I've found a very big shift to, we've had to adapt the way that we train because we can't go around physically in person and help. And people find asking questions more approachable when you're in person, and that gives you confidence then to continue with your learning. So, I mean, we put out some of those things, Camilla, last week around the kind of tips and tricks for um, dealing with your mental wellbeing day to day. And what I was talking about was, was dopamine. So breaking down tasks into small aspects Um, that you can easily achieve because it's a bit like doing exercise you go to the gym and you get a big rush of dopamine um, and then you feel a sense of achievement and happiness and satisfaction that goes with it Um, but you can actually get kind of similar things from just completing a task it could be handing in a piece of work it could be writing an email it could be finishing a meeting it could be absolutely anything that kind of completion aspect actually really appeals to our brain Um, so the way we're now teaching is of actually breaking stuff down into smaller chunks and and little tasks that people can kind of build that level of confidence and hopefully then their kind of mental well-being with it and confidence with the training course continues
0: yeah completely i yeah i think we've been on a massive journey in kubrick with the training transformation as we're rightly calling it and i think it's it's supporting mental well-being for sure it's it's keeping everyone on the same track but i love that it's also kind of it's making our journey more inclusive people from around the country are joining in. And, um, I think that's having that knock on effect of an overall better experience for everyone involved. Um, and I think we've had a lot of success there, so we're excited to see where it keeps going.
2: Definitely. Do you also think we've, we've obviously gone through not only a big training transformation, but also a big brand transformation. And one of the interesting things that came out of that is we kind of looked at our demographic of people, right. And we looked at what do they like as as human beings and, their engagement with a company, what do they need? I think one of the kind of key things I found that came out of that was around the association with brand. You've got to understand your demographic and you want to feel part of something and that aids your kind of your, your mental health, certainly by feeling part of a collective and an association with a brand. So we've obviously done lots of things to enhance that. Um, and we continue to kind of develop that,
0: you know, we sit somewhere in between the world of tech and the world of people, um, uh but we're not a tech company we don't create technology we we teach it we're inherently a people company and i think when when what we deal with is is people and training them and deploying them and the amazing work we do there it's really important that our brand reflects that rather than the tech because and then equally having things like mental well-being inherent in our in our offering is so vital because we are people not technology and we need to have that kind of support that matches not only our external brand but our internal like company feel so i'm so glad that we, we have this going on i mean vicky did you maybe want to give a bit of a rundown of what the kubrick mental well-being initiative looks like who your team is and kind of how you formed it and and your plans going forward as well yeah, of
1: course. Um, so I think start, it was just me for maybe six months or so, maybe a bit less than that. Um, and I think that was because it was kind of the first big step for us as a company, having this as a focus. And I think it really. It really helped open our eyes about how important it is and how it is absolutely something that needs to be prioritised moving forward. So the initiative I put together is uh, a team that comprises at the minute of, I think, six mental health first aiders in different areas across the business. So it's myself in the people team. There's John in the training team, Chiara in HR, Rebecca Gunner, who sits in our ops team. Uh, Peter, who is our Zoho Administrator, and Tony Lotta, who at the minute is our Head of IT. Um, And these people bring such a broad range of life experience, business experience, that I feel like there's always going to be somebody that people, hopefully, there's always going to be someone that people feel comfortable going to. Now, that, for me, is kind of the crux of the initiative, is making sure that our staff know who they can turn to, Should they need either a little bit of guidance about who to turn to to support them if they're struggling with their mental health, if they need someone to talk to. And not necessarily take it any further than that. Sometimes all you need to do is just tell someone else what's going on with you. And that's more than enough. Um, Giving them enough people to utilise that there's somebody who they can relate to or feel comfortable going to. Even if they don't know them very well personally. Again, sometimes that helps. Just talking to someone who doesn't know you in and out. Doesn't know the context. Doesn't know the background. Uh, And then I think longer term... Again, it's continuing to try and hammer home that message. So I meet with every cohort that starts just for kind of 10, 15 minutes in their first week or two. Um, And it's just to ensure that they know who they can go to if they need to talk about their mental health. Reiterating that it is something that should be prioritised and that they should look after, particularly in this way of working. Hopefully, as the year goes on, we can do a little bit more kind of normal interaction whatever that means now kind of in-person interaction but for now ensuring that if they need any form of support that they reach out um even if it's not to a first aider even if it's to a trainer I think the most important thing that I try to ensure people know is that you go to who you're comfortable with but that you do talk to somebody and then it's highlighting all the different things they can utilise through PerkBox. So it's highlighting the counselling sessions, so the four free 50-minute counselling sessions per presenting mental health concerns. So if you've got a few things going on throughout the year, hopefully you're not struggling that much. But should you need it, you can utilise the perk multiple times. And every single time you utilise it, you also get a free 30-minute session so they can determine how best to support you moving forward. And I think for me, one of the other great benefits of Perkbox as well is through the Wellness Hub. So you can utilise different coping strategies if you're struggling with anxiety or stress, different ways of working that you can try and benefit from, like taking regular breaks. So one of our clients, for example, to help staff support their mental health, you cannot book a meeting for any longer than 25 minutes at a time and if you have a big block of things that you need to discuss or a big meaty session or a strategy day they enforce that you take a minimum of a five minute break every 25 minutes Uh, and i i love kind of things like that that are pushed particularly from our clients it just helps you reset even if it just means that you just you know what you just open the window for five minutes or you go and get a coffee or whatever whatever you need to do it gives you the chance to be able to do it And the Wellness Hub supports things just like that. Everything from desk yoga to breathing exercises, all sorts of different things. So I think for me, it's just a little bit of education about where you can go to. Um, And it also highlights that if you're going through something that you don't necessarily want to talk about, you just want to know what support's available to you should you need them. It's telling them where that lives as well and highlighting where that lives and all of it sits in the knowledge library and workplace.
0: And all of that's... Available in training and beyond, yes. um, which is awesome. Absolutely. And also yeah. for people like me. <laughs> which Absolutely. <is> great too.
1: <laughs> every, everyone and anyone. And I think that's also the other important thing to highlight. The entire, every employee within Kubrick has these things that they can utilize. Uh, and I think longer term, as we continue to grow, John Coughlin is going to be taking over the management of the initiative when I go on maternity leave at the end of February. Um, and it's putting together plans. There's multiple people across the business who've highlighted that they're interested in doing training to become a mental health first aider. Um, so I've been keeping lists of those people. For now, we've limited the team to kind of members of HQ just because of the burden that it can be. Um, and I think pulling that on consultants, I, I think it's something that we definitely should consider. I'd love to be able to get people involved, but maybe in a slightly different sense, or get consultants to lead on... Mental and wellbeing initiatives or events or programs, things like that, that are planned a little bit later down the line. But in terms of training, I think for the minute we're just sticking kind of with HQ and slightly more senior staff members. um But I've kind of planned out who t- can be trained kind of over the next 12 months just to keep in track with the size of the business as well, just to make sure we've got enough support for everyone whenever they need it.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. Not a big obstacle, but a kind of a challenge to consider is how fast we're growing. And I think sometimes we might feel like, why wasn't this here sooner? Why did not we have these resources before? But remembering how young we are as a business and how fast we've grown, it's kind of, it's it's definitely a challenge to keep everybody in the loop and keep everyone connected. But um, that's also exciting that we can help support so many young people through the beginning of their career. Um, John, I was just wondering from your perspective, as a trainer, you mentioned that, um, So many of your consultants, you know, part of your role is putting them in quite a highly pressurized environment, given the content they have to learn and the pace of the content. Um, How do you think, you know, with the training transformation, what kind of flexibility is there in in how people learn so they can take the time they need. Uh, I can imagine knowing the consultants I've spoken to, the challenge is not feeling like, not necessarily the social stigma of taking time off, but the pressure they put on themselves to keep up with the pace of training and always stay ahead. They're quite high achievers, (laughs) a lot of them.
2: What we've got to really understand is that there's lots of kind of triggers for people's mental health in training and it's new new environment. Um, new city, first job, um, lots of, it may be new housing as well. Um, so it's lots of pressures on the way that they're going to cope with being in a training environment. And during that training period on part of the training transformation, what we're looking at doing is moving our training into lots of different learning styles. And a proportion of that training will be almost like self-led learning time. So it will be chance to recap material that you've done from either the previous day or over that week, um, or easier content that you can kind of self-develop in and explore for yourself. Um, the reality of the workplace is that we don't have someone sitting next to us how to do something. So the ability to self-learn and explore topics is really important, but it also gives you that breather during the week where you're not just being fired information from um, experienced professionals. Um, so... Yeah, the mix of training styles is really going to help. And also then as we get further into this year, hopefully the collaborative element of bringing people back into the office and having some of the training time in person will also um, kind of help people as well.
0: Awesome. Yeah, super excited to see how that goes. The great thing about this podcast, um, it's designed for the whole Kubrick community. So hopefully we have some viewers, listeners who are potential candidates. We've got hopefully some clients out there who want to learn more about what we're doing internally our current consultants and and alumni. So um, for you guys, any kind of final messages you want any of those audiences to hear or something that you think they might not know about what we're doing in Kubrick?
1: I think it's just encouraging to, if you want more information, if you need or want support, if you just want to talk to someone, just reach out you can ping myself you can ping john you can ping any of the other first aiders all of whom you can find in the initiative on workplace um and i think it's also important that to reiterate as a company this is something we will always be focusing on moving forward um i think as quite a young organization the fact that this is something we've recognized is important and we need to focus on is hugely exciting it's, and it's only ever going to grow not only in focus but hopefully also in terms of just engagement across the company.
2: De- definitely and on, on actually the previous point Camilla in terms of stuff we do as a company we have access to mindfulness sessions so our head of data governance Simon runs weekly mindfulness sessions and we build that into the training plan that lunches at the same time every week and they can they can take time out to do that should they wish to do it um equally we've got the personal training service as well so there's free hit sessions on our workplace as well as um, kind of discounted pt sessions should you want to do that as well so there's kind of lots of external things going on that interact with their working week if they want to
0: i love taking advantage of all that myself anyway mindfulness is such a treat such a treat yeah me too. Um, yeah, absolutely and and just before you go um, I mean we've recorded this podcast at quite an important time of year obviously we've just been through social minefield that is new year's resolutions dry january January. all these kind of initiatives to get people going and countless gym discounts being thrown at you Um, you know hopefully everyone's feeling okay after the end of all that but um, going forward just facing the rest of the year kind of getting out of that january Blues, um how do you think people can kind of best approach a sort of long-term sustainable approach to their their mental well-being rather than going all
1: in in January I think it's it's slow and steady and it's not it's not beating yourself up and it's giving yourself the chance to do things for you because you need or want them rather than because of the expectation and so if if you have a conversation with someone and I know you have a fitness goal or, I don't know, you want to make a quilt or something by the end of May, whatever it might be. Um, It doesn't matter if you don't hit those things just because you said them to someone else. So it's not tying yourself down to other people's expectations. I think exactly what John was talking about earlier, setting realistic, small, achievable goals for yourself that are just for you and nobody else um and just taking it a day at the time it's all you can do
2: yeah I think it's about having that balance as well I really liked your your tip last week Vicky to to the kind of wider audience around take some time out to do something selfishly for you and don't feel bad about that so that could be as simple as like reading a book or watching a tv program or listen to music for half an hour those kind of things actually give you balance to make your then I suppose these goals that you're talking about in terms of new fitness regime or whatever it might be more achievable um so yeah having that balance is really important in your working week
0: well thank you both so much for lending your kubrick voices uh to this podcast i think it's going to be really important really valuable for anyone in our kubrick community to hear so um thanks for joining and and hope to see you maybe in the office soon (laughs) hope
1: so yes Um, hopefully
2: you can do a (laughs) follow-up podcast as well and uh, and show how the progress is going as well that'd be great
0: definitely i know in a year's time there'll be so much more to talk about thank you both